There are people out there, mostly pushed by the narrative of the traffickers, that are claiming that this is just really personal to me. I'm just so hurt by uh, how people have treated me. Uh, my feelings are so sensitive that if somebody looks at me the wrong way, I just get all bent out of shape and I can't handle it. And so that means that I'm making all of this up just to attack the people that were doing their jobs and I just didn't like what they were doing. Okay, there are a few truths in that. Yes, this is personal. And yes, I do not like how the criminals and traffickers and those who support them have been dealing with this. And yes, I will shine a light on it as bright as I can until people start waking up and realizing that the lies are just that, lies. Now, the things that are not true... I'm not crazy. I'm weird. I am very weird. I own it. I have no problems admitting that all day long. But I am not making any of this up. Now, just because they don't like that I am shining a light on what they are doing does not mean that what they are doing is not wrong. It is very wrong. And I'm going to explain a couple of things in this episode, I'm going to talk about uh, what trafficking actually is so that we can all get on board on the same page and stop claiming that I'm crazy because I'm calling this trafficking. And then we're going to talk about what the uh, police have been doing. So when we are talking about what trafficking is, do you really think that it just started yesterday because I claimed it did? Or that it's only a big issue because of Sound of Freedom that came out and made it a big issue? Uh, trafficking has been around from the beginning of the inception of the world. So how can I say that? Because all trafficking is is a person who knows you giving you to somebody else for goods. Now, the goods can either be a favor, can be money, it can be simply uh, power, prestige, doesn't matter. Though so there were things called, <laughs> um, and this is opposite of cultural arranged marriages, but back in the Dark Ages, uh, affluent people would go to um, the poor people and get child brides so that they could have all the sex that they wanted and not have to be tied down to any real marriage. So these were arranged marriages. All right, there's a term called indentured servitude. All of those of you who had to take European history in high school learned all about indentured servitude. Indentured servitude was when parents could not afford to live, and so they would sell their kids off to make money. That's trafficking. 
they this is where we have child labor and it started as young as the kids could walk and talk because the parents could not afford to feed and clothe them. Uh, as we moved on in time, it became known as slavery. And you had people buying and selling uh, other people. Uh, when we talk about the slavery of the blacks from Africa to the other countries, we look at the fact that it was their own tribes that were selling them. Well, what are tribes in Africa? Families. That's what they are. You live in these tribes. They're your family. So it is relatives uh, selling you off because of some grievance that they had with you or because they, again, needed the money or wanted the power. You know, uh, the more people I sell, the more money I make, the less people I have to take care of. And all of a sudden we have, you know, slavery or trafficking, whichever one you want to call it. So we have um, leaders of countries that would go in and take entire populations of indigenous people. Now, all indigenous people means is people who were in that country, who were born and raised in that country. They were not transplants. They grew up there. And you would have these other people come in and go, oh my word, these indigenous people, they're in our way and we can't get all the land, all the property, all the resources that we want. So we're going to sell them off to other people so that we don't have to deal with them. This is all trafficking. Trafficking has been going on since the very beginning. So why do we have a hard time right now wrapping our heads around the fact that people would sell people that they know and people that they're supposed to want to be around for their own personal benefit? It isn't that hard to understand if you look at the fact that it's been going on forever. This is not a new concept. It just has a new name. So if I go and say that my granddaughter was sold into slavery, are you going to take it more seriously? Or if I go and say that my granddaughter is being forced into child labor, are you going to take it more ser seriously? Now, here's the other thing. We don't have a problem uh, believing and rallying and giving support to people who have a person that they love being kidnapped by a stranger. We rally in those instances. Uh, we, When I was in the third grade, I was eight years old at the time, and there was a girl by the name of Rachel Runyon. She was three years old. She was playing in the playground behind my elementary school, and she was kidnapped by a stranger. That stranger uh, took her, sexually abused her, and then killed her and dumped her body back in that playground. Uh, we had to have an undercover cop sit on the path that we would walk to and from school every single day for the next like 30 years, I saw him there because of this stranger kidnapping murder. 
And now this is tragic and it was tragic at the time and it's still tragic now, but it was a stranger kidnapping and everybody took it seriously. If that had been a parent or an uncle or a neighbor or a friend who had kidnapped her, would the community had rallied as much? Because, and you're going, well, yes, Mandy, they would have. All right, well, let's take the Elizabeth Smart uh, situation. When she was first kidnapped, taken from her bedroom, her sister said it was a stranger. And the cops didn't want to believe that. And they took family and they, I mean, they sequestered that little girl and they interrogated her. They wanted to know all the details. And, and they said a few times that they didn't believe her. But she stuck to her story. So all of a sudden, we have to change the narrative uh, because it isn't anymore that, oh, I bet it's just her family or it was just a neighbor or she ran away or, you know, all of this kind of stuff. As soon as they could get the focus on the fact that it was most likely a stranger who had taken her, the community rallied. The community was judging when the family was being suspected. If you don't believe that, look at the John Benet Ramsey case, where when they said it was a stranger, everybody rallied immediately. But as fingers started pointing more and more towards somebody that she knew, attention started coming away from it. It didn't ramp up the attention. It took it away from it. So you may think that this stigma of, oh, you know what? It's we rally no matter what the danger isn't true, but stigmas are just like everything else. They are there because they are true. We judge when we don't agree. And that is a problem with society. So you have this where I have said my granddaughter was kidnapped and everyone is rallying and, oh, let's help, let's help. Oh, this is tragic. Oh, this is terrible. Oh, this is horrible. And then they ask me for more details and I say, okay, well, it's traffickers. And all of a sudden, um, most of the people are like, oh, that's fantastical. That's, I know you think they're traffickers, but, you know, that's just in the movies. And, and so, I lose half of the people who were right on board because there's a kidnapping of a three-year-old girl because I mentioned trafficker. All right, now let's go and say, and it was by her dad. Uh, I use that term very loosely because he is no dad, but he is a biological father, right? He gave his sperm, so he is her dad. Uh, and that he was helped by the police. Oh, the police would never do that. Well, you're right. Al Capone was not a thing. The mafia, the mob, none of that ever happened. That's all make-believe. Uh, in fact, history's make-believe. We, we don't really, you know, have the proof that any 
uh, law enforcement would ever break the law or be corrupt. And we don't have any proof that any leaders would ever do anything wrong. And we don't have any proof that any family would ever hurt the people that they're supposed to be related to and love and adore and protect. We don't have any proof of any of this. So a few weeks ago, I was sitting in a meeting of other, I will call them resistance fighters against uh, trafficking and corruption and all of the things that I have been talking about. And one of the people in the meeting, he said, how are we all here? You know, we all got the message, but how? Because, you know, (laughs) none of us knew each other really until we were all sitting in that room together. So how are we all here? And that really made us all think. And one of the people said, well, we all put the pieces together. Well, yeah, there's some truth to that. But I started thinking about that even more. Like, how were we all there? How did we all look at it? Uh, Because I know some very, very intelligent people who can put the pieces together really, really well. But the second that you put the trafficking or the delinquency or the abuse or the criminal aspect and corruptive aspect into it, they will just, it's like the proverbial, they put their fingers in their ears and la, 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 I'm not listening, I'm not listening, right? So I had to look at it and say, it has nothing to do with being able to put, it's not just about being able to put the pieces together. Let's put it that way. It isn't just about being able to put the pieces together. It's being willing to see it for what it actually is. And that is what brought us all together, is that this is a group of people that are willing to see it for what it actually is. Now, you guys know I do a lot of World War II references, um, but it fits. It fits really well. And the one thing I'm going to do on this one is there were a lot of rallies And Hitler was the front man for a lot of these rallies. And these were in a lot of different countries. And the resistance people were not the smart people. They weren't. I mean, there were a lot of smart people that were corrupt and evil and going around killing people. So it wasn't just the intelligence that made them the resistance fighters. It was they were looking around and they were seeing what was actually happening. They weren't going, well, I know what I'm seeing, but I don't want to see it because it's so awful. I don't want to be a part of it. That was what created the actual corruption. I'm going to give an example of that. I've told you that I live in a very small town, Goshen, Utah, middle of nowhere. And this town has under a thousand people in it. And the people who founded this town, their descendants are still here. We kind of joke and say, oh, yeah, these people have been here as long as the dirt has, right? Okay, so on uh, Allie Cohen's Facebook page, a woman showed up, Anna Marie Bass. Now, the Basses, they are actually transplants, but they've been here long enough that people believe that they are stalwarts of the community, okay? 
So you have the basses that are going around and they are supporting the traffickers. They are helping the Pipkins. They are helping Derek Morrell. They, uh, we have um, proof that they actually hid Derek. We have proof that um, Anna Marie is one of the handlers for the trafficking organization. We have all of this proof and she didn't like that. She was going and private messaging Allie and saying, you need to stop and I don't see what you have a problem with. And, you know, you're delusional. That That's what they always go to. I'm, I'm very excited to go to court and hear them sit on the stand and go, you're delusional as my evidence that I'm not a criminal. Like, yeah, that's not proof, evidence, or even relevant. So, so this is, she just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and so Allie got tired of it and is like, you know what? If you are going to attack me in the shadows, I'm going to bring you out into the light. And she did. And Anna Marie got, and she really did get her feelings hurt and got all bent out of shape. And so started, I don't know why you are attacking me. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know why you, I, I've never done anything to you. And, you know, all of this garbage. All right. So now you get one of the uh, older than dirt families of um, Goshen. And he comes on Facebook, finally pays attention to the fact that something might be happening and says, is any of this true? And I do this post and said, absolutely, it is true. And if you would like to come and talk to me, I would love to talk to you about it. I would love to answer your questions. I would love to show you the evidence that we have. I will show you. And Anna Marie comes and right underneath my comment, she just says, no. Now, which comment do you think he liked? Mine or hers? <laughs> yeah, hers. So a big no from somebody who has lived in Goshen five years longer than I have is all it takes for an intelligent person to not want to see what is actually going on. And that is how corruption spreads. Because there were a lot of people sitting in those rallies going, Heil Hitler with everybody else because they didn't want to see what was actually happening. They didn't want to be, uh, you know, the little thorn in anybody's side. They just wanted to go along their merry way. Some people for criminal reasons, some people just because they just didn't want to see that there could be anything bad while people are being attacked and murdered all around them. The people who don't want to see that there is corruption, there is deviancy, delinquency, criminal activity, abuse, trafficking, whatever you want to call it going on in this situation, as soon as they hear that there are the police involved, they go, oh, well, then nothing bad could ever happen here. All right, let me give you a little bit of information about the police that are involved in this. So the police 
that decided they wanted to participate in this. The main guy that I showed picture a picture of, and he is the one who came in, knew us all by our first name. Uh, he's the one who was uh, going around and attacking um, my son-in-law's grandma, my son-in-law's job, my son-in-law himself, my daughter. He was the one who blocked my daughter in. Um, you realize that that's illegal, right? Cops are not allowed to do that, <laughs> but he did. He acted like this was a big, you know, serial murder rapist situation and he could throw the law out the window to do whatever he wanted to. His name is Officer Tyndall. And this man works for the judicial system. He's not an actual uh, beat cop, however you want to call it. He works in the judicial system. So he does not have the authority to go around and arrest people, but he did. He doesn't have the authority to go around and stalk people, but he did. He didn't have the authority to arrest without an arrest warrant to serve a writ that his name wasn't on and to take a girl that should have been in protective custody if they had done things the way they claimed they had done. But he did. And so I have all of these people saying, oh, this is a horrible situation. But the cops, like, yeah, the cops are what makes it the horrible situation. Because if the cops had done this legally, they would not have been able to arrest my daughter and they would not have taken my granddaughter. Now, they were in such a hurry, you know, you're, you're saying, well, they had to because they had all of the legal documentation. I was even told the documentation might be illegal, but because they had it, they still had the right to do what they did. Oh, okay. So does that mean that I can forge any legal document I want, bust into any home I want to bust into, take anybody I want to take because I feel like it? As long as I've got a piece of paper that I have forged, I can do whatever I want. That's what I'm being told because it was somebody who went to the dollar store, bought a tin badge, and claimed he had the authority to be there. And I've got everybody saying that you have the legal documentation, so there's nothing I can do. Okay, we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But when they busted into my house, they were in such a hurry that to get out of there, uh, that not only did they threaten me and tell me, do not call a lawyer, which is collusion, by the way, uh, that is a felony. Uh, 
they also made sure that they took my granddaughter without shoes. She was not wearing shoes. She was not wearing pants. They did not take her car seat. They did not pack a bag for her. They did not let her take any of her stuffed animals, her clothes, her toys, her belongings, nothing. They took nothing. Now, when you do this legally, you have a DCFS or CPS worker come in. They come in, they go in, they have you pack a bag for your child or the child that they are doing this for. They have you make sure that all of the stuff that they're going to need for that child is put in their vehicle. They give you the information of where you can contact somebody to know where that child is being located. And then they give you a paper saying, this is everything that we have done. Sign it, please. Now, you didn't hear any of that in what I just said, did you? That's because when they're kidnapping somebody. They don't have the time to do that. They don't have the legal documentation to do that. They have got to get in and get out as soon as possible because there is a lawyer showing up and they're going to get in trouble. So they have got to get that child out of there faster than you can say boo before they actually get into legal trouble. If I had been able to get a lawyer there before they had screamed off, then the lawyer would have been able to stop them. But they went running as soon as I dialed. So the other thing that you've got is, you all know in the United States, I don't know how this is in other countries, but in the United States, if you go anywhere and do not put your child in a car seat uh, for the first uh, 10 years of their life, they'll throw you in jail. I mean, seriously, they do not allow this. And yet... The car seat was sitting there in the living room and they ran out the door and put my granddaughter on my daughter's lap. Now, you can say, well, they just wanted to make sure that she was being taken care of and they were only taking her to the jail. Oh, no, 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 no. They took my daughter to the jail and left my granddaughter sitting in the cop car while they were booking my daughter into jail. My granddaughter was sitting in the back of the cop car and they had to um, transport her to wherever else they were going to transport her. And there was no car seat that they put into the cop car to make sure that that transport happened. The other thing that I'm going to bring up about the cops is that they had the booking paper already filled out before my daughter even got there. So they were not surprised that they were arresting her. They had this planned. 
they had this planned down to the last step. The only thing that they didn't have planned was what our reactions were going to be because they still thought that we would react like everybody else. They still ignored the fact that we were who we were. And so they had to switch it up a little bit to get out of there probably faster than they wanted to get out of there. Um, Arrest my daughter because she wouldn't comply with just handing over her daughter. So I know they, I said they had the booking sheet already, but they did not act like they wanted to arrest her. So I think they had that as a backup, but they didn't want to have to do it. Uh, Because here's the other thing. My daughter has been calling to try and we have not seen uh, my granddaughter since January 10th. We have not seen her. We have not heard from her. We have not heard from her dad. We have not heard from any, no DCFS worker has heard of her. We have talked to many of them. We have talked to several police agencies. They have not heard of her. They do, nobody has heard of where this girl is. Nobody. And that's not disturbing to any of them. They're all just like, well, we'll look and we'll see. Okay, my daughter called up and found out about this officer, uh, Tyndall, who uh, took my granddaughter. And she, um, she was told after he was in the judicial court They said, who is this? And she said, oh, he's the one who arrested me. And they said, there's no record of that. Like I said, oh, just because there are cops involved and they have forged fraud paperwork does not mean that this is okay and that we can't do anything about it. That attitude is why we haven't heard from or seen my granddaughter in almost 20 days now. When I told you that there is no divorce on file, that is huge uh, because you cannot have a permanent custody situation without a divorce being finalized. It does not work that way. It is trying to divide assets when there is no legal division of persons. So you cannot divide assets if you don't have divided persons. All right. But on the booking, it states right there that they are divorced. In order for any of Derek's paperwork to be even remotely legal, there has to be a divorce. So the police that are being uh, bought and sold, they are having to claim that there is a divorce. Otherwise, all of the other people are just going to say, where is this coming from, right? So they're just putting divorce. Now, we're not... uh, we don't question. If somebody puts, yeah, we're divorced on a piece of paper, we don't go and do this big, huge back check in legal 
files and stuff. We just assume that, that people who are divorced say they're divorced and people who aren't say they aren't. I mean, a lot of times people will say, no, I'm separated, right? So we don't fact check it. Now, I'm not blaming the people who are just uh, being thrown into this without uh, knowing any of the information. I mean, the poor booking agents at the jail, or booking officers, sorry, the booking officers at the jail, not a not a vacation. Uh, they aren't going to know to look because this is a very, very bad, bizarre, yes, situation. And so I'm not saying that they're doing anything wrong. I'm saying that the corrupt policemen that are going around and claiming that they are divorced, that Lindsay and Derek are officially divorced so that they can do whatever they want to do. Those are the police that are wrong because they know very well there is no divorce on file. It isn't that hard to find. I called up a family law lawyer and she went and she looked and she says, there's no divorce on file. I said, yeah, I'm aware. And so when you've got these police coming from judicial court, oh, you know, where you have access to those kinds of records, he already knows. So he is not doing this cluelessly. Otherwise, he would have done it legally. The cops have also been messing with the information that we are trying to get out there that Piper has been kidnapped. Now, how would they do that? I don't think that's the question. I think the question is, why would they do that? About a week after Piper had been kidnapped and taken and Lindsay had been falsely arrested, um, I was getting attacked by the police. They were coming to uh, my house every single day. They were coming and ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door. They were stalking me. They were following me, chasing me. You may ask, why don't I call the police uh, to have this stopped? Well, because the police are the ones doing it. And I had a lawyer say, well, you can report this all the way up to the attorney general. I have. And the attorney general is backing the corrupt cops. So there isn't anything that I can do about that. Um, and how do I know that the attorney general is backing the corrupt cops? Because I've written him. I have tried to get him on board. I have informed him of what is going on. But that's not all. I also was receiving phone calls from the attorney general's office uh, this week from a person who his name is Trace Cox. Now, Trace Cox, the first thing he did was one of my staff was concerned uh, because Piper and Lindsay do, um, well, Piper is in the school and she has not been there for 20 days. And so her teacher 
was very concerned and called uh, to make a report of a missing student. Uh, because legally, if you remove a student from their school, you have to inform the school that you have removed the student and where they are being moved to. You can't just take a student out of school and call it good. So you have to tell somebody somewhere. Uh, and <laughs> Derek did not tell anybody anywhere. So we, my staff called up and said, I have a missing student. I am quite concerned. I am reporting. Right after that, I, she got a call a few days later from this Trace Cox that said, why are you reporting? And, um, you know, you should not, I, I want information. I want to know what you know about Derek. I want to know what you know about Lindsay. I want to know what you know about, and it just goes on and on and on. Well, my staff doesn't know Derek. She's never met him. She probably didn't even give his name. She was just concerned about her student not being in school. <laughs> okay, so she tells me that she got this call. I'm like, yeah, well, that, that fits. And I have my business partner, Beth, call up and see if there are any questions that she can answer for them if they're concerned that we may have information. So she calls up to give information and answer any questions that this Trace Cox may need. And he flat out tells her, I don't know why you're calling me. This doesn't have anything to do with you. <clears throat> well, if you are calling a tip line, which is what they were doing, to give information about somebody that they are concerned is missing, how does that not have anything to do with the person calling up giving the information? All right, now fast forward two days, <laughs> whoop, whoop, and you have, I get a call in the morning from this Trace Cox. Amanda Bachman, I am calling you to follow up on a tip that you made to our national hotline. I am with the Attorney General's Office of the State of Utah. Like, how does the Attorney General's Office of the State of Utah have a national tip line that I would be calling? Because I already know and I've already contacted the National Trafficking Hotline. I don't need to call the Utah one because I happen to know that they're helping. So I did not make a call. I did not make a tip. I did, And I do not call because I email. These people tend to lose phone calls and do not document them. And if I do make a phone call, I record it. And then, but it's easier to just send an email so that I have the proof that I sent it when I sent it. And I have all of that documentation. I did not send an email to any state national hotline either. So I looked at that and went, oh, so you're coming after me now. All right. And I ignored it. I get a call the next day. This is the second call 
that I am making to follow up with a tip that you have made. You need to give me a call. Like, do you know any tip line that if you call up and you don't call back, they harass you? They threaten you? They get mad that you don't return their phone calls? In fact, they don't do that. That is not what tip lines do. They don't go around harassing the people who call and make tips. If they did, nobody would call and give tips, right? So I have the state attorney general's office calling me and going, if you don't talk to us, we're just going to keep harassing you. Like, huh, because I did not call you. So why are you harassing me? We know that our neighbors across the street have been in uh, almost constant contact, oh my goodness, with the Utah County Sheriff's Department. We know that they give them tips all the time about what we are doing and why we are doing it. We know that they are helping them figure out our schedules so that they know when they can show up and cause the most harm and damage. We also have been watching as not only have they been sabotaging the DCFS case that we had opened for trying to find Piper and stalking and harassing me, that they have been going around and messing with the missing persons posters that we have been putting up. Now, it isn't just the police that have been messing with the missing person posters. The traffickers have also been trying to deface them and rip them down and make sure that nobody can see them. In all my years, and uh, I am in my 50s, I have never watched somebody be so callous as to go and see a picture of a little kid, a three-year-old girl, and it says up above, missing. If you know anything, please call. And the people go and rip it down. I would never think of doing that. I do not act that way. I'm not going to mess with somebody's trauma that way. If they're making it up, well, then that's on them. But people don't make up that somebody that they love is missing. And they don't go posting flyers all over creation and do all of this work as a joke. So I'm not going to rip down those posters. That shows just how callous and heartless these people actually are. So when you are thinking that I'm crazy and I'm making all of this up, I'm not the one who is trying to make sure that Piper is not found. I am the one that is doing everything in my power to make sure that she is safe and brought home to her mother and her family, her grandmother, her aunts, her sister, who just are beside themselves, are not sleeping, are not eating. We are constantly looking for her. Yeah, we're the crazy ones, right? Okay, so that's the thing. 
why are the police helping take down the missing persons flyers? Why aren't they out there helping us find her? Isn't that their job? And why aren't they interviewing us? Why aren't they coming to us and saying, is she really missing? What proof do you have? You know, why are they just automatically ripping down posters? Why? You have to ask because it isn't just intelligence that makes it so that you are putting all of the pieces together. You have to be willing to look at the evidence that is right in front of your face. Have you ever experienced a cop, a policeman, a law enforcement officer that would rip a child out of her grandmother's and mother's arms while she is screaming, yank her out to a police car without shoes, pants in the middle of January. This was not a hostage terrorist situation. Make sure that there is no evidence of where she is and then go around and rip down posters that are asking people to look for her and give information of if they see her and where they see her. Why are you afraid to look at that, that that is what is happening in front of your face and you don't want to acknowledge it? And that is why Piper was able to be kidnapped in the way that she was able to be kidnapped. Now, those of you who are helping us Thank you. And there are so many. And I know that you are the ones who are willing to look at this and see it. And I know it's ugly and it's hideous and we hate it, but you are willing to look at it. You didn't just put the pieces together. You are willing to step in and look at the corruption and the criminal and the heinous acts of these horrid, callous, heartless people. Those of you who are liking a no, without any information behind it, maybe you should consider the fact that the information, though ugly, isn't a lie.